each person is individual and unique and letting someone go or hiring someone should be the best process possible for everyone, you know? And it's about their development and growth. So I really kind of brought to every job that I had, I think I brought this feeling of enthusiasm that HR can be fun, that let's take care of our employees because they're the most important asset that we have. Welcome to the Aim and Audio Experience, where we talk life, entrepreneurship, common sense business, and living up to your fullest potential. Remember to subscribe and shout us out on social media if you're enjoying the show. We really do appreciate all your support and attention, and we welcome comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us cover. Now for today's episode. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode on the Aim and Audio podcast. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm your host, and we have a fascinating guest with us here today. Uh, Seth Elliott, thank you so much, Seth, for being here. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm excited as well. You know, I think we have so many talented business people on the podcast, so many people who have an incredible story to share. And uh, Seth, I think you're no different. You know, you're an author, uh, you're an intuitive business coach. But one of the things that I'm really excited about in today's episode is to actually impact or unpack rather (laughs) um, some things that I think are making a huge impact in the landscape of business right now and how we think about um, the people who work for the companies or the entrepreneurs or, yep. you know, the CEOs. And so I'm really, really excited to get your input on that and uh, really just kind of dive into who we are as people and how that, how that plays out. Because, you know, so much of business is not just, you know, how everything is arranged on the org chart. Absolutely. You know, it's also who we are as people at home how that impacts how we treat our clients and how we treat our guests and our customers. So, yep. um, so thank you so much for being here. So tell yeah. us, tell everyone here listening a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and um, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, hey, I'm Seth Elliott Santoro. I'm an intuitive business coach um, and author and medium, right? So for the past 20 years, I've been in corporate America. That dates me. Oops. You do not um, look old enough. I mean, if you guys are listening to this right now, you got to look this guy up. I am Seth Elliott on yeah. Instagram. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, doesn't look old enough to be 20 years. Thank corporate. you. But, hey. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been in corporate America in different uh, roles, operations, uh, HR, but HR has been my primary focus. Okay. So over the past 15 years, I've been doing HR. Uh, and so, so apart from also doing intuitive business coaching, I also am an HR advisor, HR expert for all sorts of different companies from 15 to 500 people. Wow. Um, that answer your question? Totally. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's, that's very interesting. Corporate HR. When I hear that, I think of sexual harassment. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. I think of, I think of firing. I think of raises. Sure. I think of some of these, some of these things and I'm just, you know, kind of spitballing off yeah. the top. <laughs> and those are the, what people think about, you know, hiring and firing, that's totally. the, you know, what they think about HR, but that's, it's so much more than that. Talk to me a little bit about that. What does your role look like as uh, doing HR? And I, I know many of it must, a lot of it may be situational. Sure. Depending on the company you're working sure. for, but you know, what, what does day to day your corporate role kind of look like? Sure. So I'm usually hired 
in one of two ways, right? So I'm I'm hired for a specific project. Right now I'm working with a kombucha company, great kombucha company, and I'm doing a payroll implementation. So they basically are coming off of what's considered a PEO, professional employment organization. Yeah, moving off of that, bringing everything in-house. So that's been the past three and a half months of my life, and it's been a lot of work. Amazing. And, and I lo- thank God I love it, right? To, to work at 12 or 1 until in the morning. But anyway, um, so so I will, the buck stops with me in terms of everything with the, I'm so I'm the lead specialist or implementation specialist, right, for them. Other times, like for the past two years, I've also had a couple clients where I, it's maybe 15 to 30 people, and I'm there essentially head of HR, so I handle everything, right? So that includes performance, not just the hiring, firing, payroll, totally. but also performance, growth, development, um, employee relations issues, anything like that. So I'm usually the right-hand person to the CEO because that's how I feel is the best way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I think that's kind of a little glimpse into what we're going to be getting into. <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, how did you land into this role? How do you get, you know, high school, college, Seth, to where you're at now? Wow. Okay. I know I'm taking it way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so born in New England, Boston, born and raised, um, grew up in New York, okay. essentially. So I was 16 when I graduated college. I went to school because I wanted to be a there was something inside me that was like an itch to perform, but I really just wanted to affect a mass audience. And now okay. I understand how to do that. But then I just thought, oh, I'll be an actor, singer, or whatever. Um, also, Where did that come from? Sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. Just kind of this like, was it something from an early age? You just... That's really fascinating that you asked. No one's ever asked that. When I was five years old, I remember the moment and exactly where I was when I decided that I wanted to be one of a couple things, right? Like a fireman to like help people, a figure skater. I don't know what that was, a lawyer or an actor. Okay. I, I, at five, I remember like where I was. And I remember thinking I want to help the world in some way. And I didn't know how to do it, but I thought maybe if I'm a lawyer, I can affect lives. and it, Or if I'm an, you know, an actor, I can affect lives. So I like that mix. That's a really, really interesting mix of like creative and very, very, you know, kind of businessy specialist, figure skater, lawyer, you know, it could be, that's like a, a sick, like I could get hit a podcast coming from that somehow. I was a real little gay boy. So like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, oh, cool. So, yeah, so then I graduated um, high school at 16. I knew what I wanted to do. I mean, I knew I wanted to go to New York. I just okay. knew that. Um, I studied at Sarah Lawrence College. Uh, I studied performing arts and languages, so I speak several languages. Um, and I... What languages do you speak? Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. I dabble in French, and now I'm learning Afrikaans because of my husband. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. That's incredible. Yeah, eight is my goal. And Hebrew, I want to learn Hebrew with my children wow. eventually, but yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went to Sarah Lawrence and I, I don't know, I just fell in love with um, to being myself, really. That's where I discovered how to be myself. And then living in New York. And then I, I my parents always instilled upon me to have a plan B because obviously they're like the actor thing. If the actor thing doesn't work out, you know, for the one in a million, they get it. Good parents. Right. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, mom and dad. Um, and so, yeah. So then I, when I graduated, I went into like, like attempt for a while, you know, and I just found myself in operations roles and they, every place I was for several years, I just, they just knew that I was super smart. I was really good with Excel and Word and, and, and detail, my attention to detail. And I had no idea that I was so good at certain things, right? So then I went through a little, like, how do I say this? Like a existential crisis when I was like 24, 25. I was like, I was watching this episode of um, Starting Over. It was a life coaching show okay. um, um, starting Iyanla Vincent and, and others. And they extricated six women from their lives. And they brought them into a house and they rehabilitated them mentally, physically, spiritually, everything. And I just started crying. I was like, that's what I want to do. 
Mm-hmm. So I became a coach. I was I'm a certified coach, right? And then I, I, I quit my job and I was in insurance investigations because that's fun. Um, <laughs> where I got my potty mouth, to be okay. honest. <laughs> uh, learned a lot, though. I learned how to be a lawyer, essentially, there. So it was great. And, and everything I've done in my life has been really amazing and how it's led them all to HR, you know. So anyway, so I was also an executive assistant at American Express, like a long time ago on Wall Street, like all this stuff. So, um, but I was super smart, kept getting promoted, right? But then I went through this existential stage and I then worked a spa. And you're in New York? I'm in New York, yeah. Okay. And then I... Because of a breakup, I decided to come to LA and leave everyone. And everyone in my family is East Coast, except for me. Wow. Yeah. How long ago was that? You're dating me again. Um, like 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Where I, when I started in HR. So gotcha. I had done corporate America before that, but I really started in HR before there was paperless, you know, onboarding paperless. You know, Anthem was paperless. Like everything, everything. Much, yeah. yeah, right. So everything was paper back then, and I literally learned how to do accounting and payroll and everything from the ground up. Um, Is that what you started doing when you came, came to, to LA? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So I was like, I, I, well, I was a yoga teacher too. I became a yoga teacher. So like, I went through this huge like, yeah, that's a good place. I mean, LA, I think, and San Diego, and Absolutely. you know, West Coast in general, I think, yeah. is a, a place where you can really do that and kind of explore. Absolutely. Um, it's very interesting to me the dichotomy of I think the roles okay. that you've had, yeah. and that's exciting. <laughs> I, I think, and and so I have some questions about that. Yeah, you know, uh, for anyone who's listening right now, thinking that you know being a lawyer and figure skating don't mix, <laughs> or the yoga or whatever else, um, what would you say? Because I I I get this feeling that you are very in touch with yourself and you help people right? Mm-hmm. Get in touch with themselves. Yes. How do you parlay that into your work environment where you're handling HR? And a lot of times you're probably getting a limited interaction with someone because of the nature of your job. You know, you have to solve a certain issue or do the onboarding or whatever. How are you able to use some of that to affect change? Or, or is it kind of a struggle? No, it's definitely, I mean, there's definitely several ways I can answer that question, right? So when I'm, when I was in-house HR, so like head of HR for this children's entertainment company, it was challenging because people would come to my office and I would know that they were telling me something, um, or I would know that there was someone in their life that had just died or their dog just died or whatever. And I, and it would be very hard for me to kind of do that in a work and business setting, right? But now, on the other hand, I knew when people were lying. I, I I knew also that each person is individual and unique and letting someone go or hiring someone should be the best process possible for everyone, you know? And it's about their development and growth. So I really kind of brought to every job that I had, I think I brought this feeling of enthusiasm that HR can be fun, that let's take care of our employees because they're the most important asset that we have. Do you find that that is a message that is foreign to the companies that you start working with? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Unfortunately, a lot of companies, and no offense, but a lot of companies say that they take care of their employees, but they really don't. I mean, giving someone four days off, four hours off on New Year's Eve versus a whole day, is, it really, is anyone really going to do any work that day? Mm-hmm. And it means so much more to just give that day than it does not to. Do you see a huge cultural difference in work-life balance or just work schedules in general, East Coast to West Coast, because you've kind of experienced both? Well, the companies that I have, no, it's been pretty much the same. I mean, where I've been very lucky to work and privileged to work in places where everyone was super passionate about what they did. 
And when you're super passionate, you'll work the longest hours in the world. So I tried to make their their hours fun or more interesting during the day, you know? Um, like, for example, the Children's Entertainment Company, there was this, we called it the LA Monthly Meeting. And I brought everyone from the LA office, which was like 200 people, into one room. And we just, I was like the master. I like to say the mistress of ceremonies, but the master of ceremonies, right? And we would talk about wins. We'd talk about loses. We'd talk about who's coming, like who's going. We'd celebrate with, like everything, right? And at the end, we had this like five minutes of wisdom from someone, not necessarily for me. Um, and it became such a huge thing in the whole company that everyone, everyone, you know, all the people from the world were like, how do you do that? Like, just how do you do that? But that's me. Like, that's my energy infusing. So I, to answer your question too, like, I think I infuse my energy anywhere I work and I feel like they're better for it. And someone put this to me really well in the children's entertainment company is, Seth, you're not just affecting the employees, you're affecting the managers, the executives, the CEOs, but then also the kids who get the toys at the end of the day and, and the parents and the grandparents and everything. And like, you're infusing that energy into it. And I start crying when she told me that, of course. So, I mean, there's moments where you just have to be human. Totally. Right? Yeah. Do you find that people, when they're hearing that message or even exposed to your energy, that there's a little bit of maybe almost confusion? I don't even want to say pushback, but kind of like this level of this feels foreign because it's not what they're used to. Absolutely. That you have to almost retrain them. Well, people generally either really love me or don't. Okay. And I look at those people, I learn more obviously from the people that don't. Mm -hmm. And I, I really take it to heart because I am thinking everyone likes me. So there's something that I'm doing that's annoying you in some way, shape or form. So there were people that were definitely resistant, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and of course I make mistakes too, right? So um, I feel like I do the best I can every day. And if, and I learn from people, from everyone around me, especially those that may, may not agree, you know? Talk to me about the, because, you, you know, author, um, intuitive business coach, medium. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. What is that? Because that's um, not a term that I am as familiar with as I want to be. Okay. The medium or? The me yeah, the me <laughs> yeah, the medium part of that. Yeah. What is that? What yeah. I mean, what is that? I obviously kind of get like a, a dictionary definition of what that is, sure. but practically, what does that look like? How, how do you practice that? I mean, I don't even know how to refer to it, really. Yeah. So do you want to talk to about all three or just the mediumship first? Whatever you want to share. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no. <laughs> I can easily do the book. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my first book is called How I Learned to Smile from the Inside. Okay. It's a book to for people that have lost their smile at some point. Um, I kind of reposition Dr. Kubler-Ross's, you know, the, the five stages of loss into the five stages of healing. Um, and I use the acronym of SMILE, S-M-I-L-E, and each one is a different stage that people go through when they're, when it, not just grieving from a death, but also grieving from a relationship or going through 9-11 like I did, like just lots of different things, right? So that book is really my, was my first book from a self-help perspective, right? So that was really the first time as that book were coming out, as that book was coming out, I realized there's more to life. And that's, that was like the biggest accomplishment to date, even though I had gone to college and blah, blah, blah high school, graduate high school, that was like this book coming out, which was Blood, Sweat and Tears, literally, it was the most amazing thing. And I was in a relationship and ending the relationship at the time, same time. And with wow, at the same time you're writing this time, book yeah. on that. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. And the amazing thing was I, I broke a pattern. And I feel like when people break patterns, new worlds open up to them. So I dated a couple guys, lovely, but I deserve better. And I woke up the second time after a couple of years of being in another relationship. And I just said I deserve better. And the next day, I started feeling all sorts of things. So I'd be sitting here with you, not knowing you, and then just 
all of a sudden like your grandmother would come or all of a sudden you're, you know, I'd start feeling things about your sister or your life and, and what's going to happen. And I, it took me about nine months to realize that this was not going away and it was very overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know? So I had to come out again for the second time in my life, which was harder to come out as a medium than it was gay. So that makes no sense to me. But um, I, I know that being gay became more mainstream, but being a medium, which really is talking to deceased loved ones. That's how I put it. You know, I, I want to say I'm an intuitive and a psychic. I think psychic is a very overused word. Mm-hmm. And also corporate and psychic just don't go together. But intuition is where they meet, right? Mm-hmm. So, because there's, I would say that everyone has a professional intuition. Like you have professional intuition doing this stuff, right? You, you're great with questions. As for that. Executives also have that professional intuition that they've developed. So, but from a psychic perspective and a mediumship perspective, intuition is, I just know more than you about you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and I can see into any aspect of your life. I call it tapping in. I can see into any aspect of your life and tell you things that there's no way I would know. And I, I coined it as like the not-so-distant past, the present, and the not-so-distant future from the intuition perspective, what, which is why it becomes super important for executives and CEOs because I can see things that they can't. I can also tell them things that other people, even as an HR person, I couldn't tell them, mm-hmm. right? But I can literally, I tell people exactly what they need to hear when they need to hear it. And that's the most important thing, I think, to being an intuitive business coach. I think it's great that you can do that within the realm of your role. And that role is so apropos to corporate America. But it's, I think it speaks to a level of self-awareness that you have that you couldn't do that maybe being the CEO. No. Or no. another role, being a lawyer. You can't deploy <laughs> that, right, yeah. as well. So really cool that you have found that HR role. And I think that you're probably able to really impact a lot of people yeah. Um, just, just in that role, not even talking about the book or anything else. Right. And I think that <clears throat> I'm right now making the switch from HR to more coaching. Like all, all I'm doing now is, is online courses as well and like workshops. And um, because the HR point, there, there's only so much you can do in HR, right? Um, but then if you come in as an intuitive business coach, like I have a client now and he constantly jokes with me that I'm his board, like his board of directors. Because I'm like, I'm everyone on the board, and you know, the chairman, everyone. And like I have thoughts from all different sides because you know, mm. I can see things in not necessarily black and white, but I see what they need to hear and see. Totally. I have a question about that. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you question your ability or you did maybe a better question is in the beginning, because you've probably begun to kind of trust yourself more as you've realized that these intuitive feelings that you have are, are true. Did you ever, was there ever a time that you kind of doubted that? Or like, oh man, I feel this, but I have, like, if I just speak on this right now, this is going to be crazy. Was there that moment? Is that kind of the coming out point that you're talking about? You know, to be very honest, I think that happens like every day in my life. Because I don't have all the answers, right? And I'm really, I feel like sometimes I'm just a messenger. But sometimes I get very specific information. Like, please, like literally, I don't know who I'm talking to necessarily. Like if you believe in spirit guides or whatever, angels, whatever. But um, you, which is where you lose the executives, right? So I'm just like, I, I'm just feeling all this information, receiving all this information, right? Uh, it's not my, it's not my job to make them believe anything other than what I'm telling them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, where was I? Um, oh, doubting myself. Yeah. So I think every day I doubt myself because I literally, I did a reading this past week and I just wanted to take my socks off and I literally saw this image of like someone taking socks off. And the woman, and the girl I was speaking to, I just said, I don't know where this is coming from. I'm just going to go with it. And that's when you know that I'm doubting myself. And then I'm like, 
all he wants to say is, you need to take your, I'm taking my socks off. And she like starts crying hysterically. And she's like, oh my God, he used to say that I want someone, because we're talking about love and romance. I want someone to knock your socks off. And she got that loud and clear. Whereas if I hadn't said anything, she wouldn't have known, right? And that was a great piece of information. So, but I doubt myself pretty much every day. I don't think I can do this work without doubting myself a little bit. But I'm saying the more that that happens, then you start trusting yourself a little bit more because you're like, wow, if I don't say this, yeah. I'm not going to have the same impact that I would have if I didn't bring it up. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think, I, like I think that. it's not like, it's not up to me really. Like I, I feel, I'm still learning, you know, I didn't go to school for this. Like I, there's no, there's no like book on or instructions on how to do this. I, for me, like everything I see, they take from my life. So whatever they're showing me, it's something that I need to say. I just don't know how to say it. So I think that part I'm pretty confident on. Like, I am so excited to get on intuitive business coaching calls because they're so much fun. Mediumship, I get a little nervous, but I also feel the person's nerves across the way because they're like, oh my God, I'm about to talk to a medium and they're going to talk to my grandmother and my father and they're going to say this and this, you know? So, yeah. Welcome to my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. I want to, I want to, I have, I have two different roads of questions. Okay. Uh, Um, so the first one, you know, actually here, let, let's start. So do you ever have, because I'm fascinated about this, this medium component, psychic to use the over sure. term, right? Sure. Uh, of what you do, but do you ever have, do you ever tell people that you're a psychic or a medium and they're like, you know, they kind of like try to think about it as like a party trick and they're like, so, so what am I thinking right now? Oh, or like God, one yeah. of those, yeah. is that kind of like- At least once a day. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Like I don't hide this at all. Like it's part of who I am, right? Yeah. It's just like being gay. It's just like I'm a psychic. It's part of who I am. Um, and I get slack from it from once every once in a while, you know, but people, I think more, I think it's more mainstream now because of the Long Island medium, because of Hollywood medium. Like it's, it's, so I get lots of reactions. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I have another practical question, I think about business Yeah. and how business and people mix. Um, what, how would you define success? It's a big question. It's so open-ended. But the reason that I'm asking is because you do work with CEOs. You do work with executives. You have worked in corporate America. It's so monetarily driven. It's, you know, in some cases, I, I, I assume you probably see it's like the cars, the houses, how much money you're making, all of that. And then you probably have seen this huge component of happiness that is not directly tied to monetary value. Where do you think someone who's truly successful kind of sits. Yeah. I can answer it this way. Or I'm being told to answer it this way. Um, what I do as an intuitive business coach is to reframe people's past. So help them deal with their past, get out of their own way, right? Become super self-aware, recommit to the present, right? And then build a better legacy and future for themselves. So I think success lies within building a better legacy because that's all I want to do and is build a better legacy for someone else. And executive CEOs, and eventually I want to work up to spiritual leaders or leaders in the the world. um, They have effect over not just their employees. I mean, it it affects um, their their families, their friends, the companies, clients, associates. I mean, it, it goes out from there. So if you... If as I work with CEOs, I know that it's affecting so many thousands of people, you know, depending on how big the company is or how big their product is, you know. Um, so I think success is finding the balance um, between happiness and building that better legacy for everyone around you. 
Gotcha. So, and of, of course, it'll be different for each person. Yeah. Some pe- some people happiness, you know, they actually would like to drive a faster car or yep. some people are more simple. And if they really distill it down, you know, they're, they want to drive a faster car to show off. Yeah. And it's not really about them. Yeah. 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 I want a helicopter. I don't know where that fits you in. Want a hel- I like that. I totally want a helicopter pad, a helipad. Yeah. It's not because I want it to show it off. It's literally because I want to get their places sooner. <laughs> Maybe that's because of LA traffic. LA traffic. I yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, it's kind of along those same lines with the success question. When you are working with corporate executives, let's say you're being, you're being introduced to someone um, and you know, you're coming and saying, Hey, you know, this is what I'm going to do. These are actually like the services that I'm going to provide. I assume there's some level of like, this is what I do, but this is actually the effect that I'll have. Uh, Yeah. And there's no way. How do I say this? It's, it's tough. It's challenging because even reaching out to people on LinkedIn for new clients, you know, it's like, what do I tell them? Do I tell that? Because I think right away, I want to say, listen, I can reframe your past and recommit you to the prison, build a better legacy, blah, blah, blah. But in actuality, there's so much more to it. And then they don't, so it's kind of, I've been seeked out, thank God, so far, you know? Um, but I am accepting new clients because it's important to work with people that I want to go after as totally. well. So it's um, it's challenging. And I, at what point, I still have to figure out at what point to tell them that I'm a medium and that that's part of the work that we're doing. But I feel like the intuitive business coaching, as soon as they hear that, they're like, oh, what's that? Or they're like, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... They go one of yeah. one of those two ways. And then, I'm kind of a black or white people. Like people, yeah. Like you were saying, they either really like you or, or they don't. Know. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, so I guess I have more of a selfish question then as a result of all this, because I'm, I'm fascinated okay. here. I run a business. We have four employees now. Okay. Um, and we work, it, it, I, there's some similarities because we work in event staffing. And in okay. event staffing on its face, kind of like HR is like, you know, you send people to big events and then, you know, they come home and then you clock them out and that's what it is. And you build a client and then you go to the next one. But I see it as our ability to touch a massive amount of people in an environment where a lot of times they're very needy. You know, you don't, and seriously, yeah. think about like a wedding or Absolutely. think about anything else. There's all sorts of different emotions that are mixed up. Maybe people that, you know, they don't feel necessarily comfortable around or people they haven't seen in a while. All these different things get stirred back up when you're in this environment. Yeah. Now so, having a wedding, I understand it way more yeah. than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how being a business owner, I get the needs of kind of the business. We got to, we're trying to meet some sales goals. Revenue is important because we have to pay the people. How do you help CEOs, business owners, founders have a balance between valuing their uh, workforce, their employees, the people who are on their team trying to help make that a success and then driving and pushing them towards achieving the goals that will help keep the company in business or keep the company progressing. And and, and just while you're maybe thinking about that, I want yeah. to clarify a little bit. You hear about incredible business leaders like Jeff Bezos or, you know, um, he just popped in my head, but you hear about these different guys who have started these incredible companies. And then you read a little bit and you're like, man, there's a lot of work that's going in there. Like they're not necessarily valuing their employees per se, mm-hmm. depending on what you see. And that, and valuing kind of means different things to different people. Um, but it's as a, as a thoughtful business owner, I'm stuck sometimes yeah. thinking how hard do you drive? And then how much time do you take breathing 
relaxing and kind of focusing more on the person and not so much driving the business results at all costs? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I want to say that I personally have a wholesome approach, right? So in one of the workshops I'll have later on this year, it's called Be a Better Leader um, or Build a Better Legacy. And I take them through kind of 12 steps of being the best executive CEO leader that you can, right? And one of those is employees. I mean, obviously. I mean, you could spend weeks and weeks, of course, just on that. Um, so I take them through their own awareness first, right? Then I take them through outer awareness. And I don't know the 12 steps off the top of my head, but I then talk about them about employees, development and growth, building better leaders underneath them, their product, services, what they offer. So it's kind of a wholesome approach. Um, and I think in the meantime, while we're working for a bigger picture, we obviously have to deal with the minutia of the day-to-day. Like sometimes you're just going to just be like, oh my God, this employee, blah, 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 right? And we just talk about it and I help you. And then eventually you get into a rhythm of your own professional intuition because we've spoken about certain things enough. Um, I really, I mean, I take all of my clients for where they are, whether that be awareness or whatever and where they are. So we go wherever they want to go or wherever we need to go. Um, trying to get to an answer. For totally. Question. How far, how, <laughs> how often do you feel like that takes you back to them personally? I'd say like 75% of the time. Okay. You know, so I think that because I think CEOs can affect so much. Um, and I don't think they spend time even can sometimes I don't think they spend enough time thinking about their employees because especially with Generation X, Y, and Z, you have to appreciate them. And what I love about those generations are they push HR and companies to do better and, and have better benefits for everyone. So I, I, I have a, an interesting relationship with that. You know. Do you think on the flip side of that that they are as productive? I think they can be. You know, you don't put them in a nine-to-five office. Totally. <laughs> like, you, they work virtual. They do, you know, they're allowed to... I think it depends on, I think it depends on a couple things, but oh, on the average, I think if you don't put them in a little box, then they'll, they will really work hard for you. So especially if they're passionate for you, that's what I found. So I want to get into that. Okay. Cause that, that, I love that. I'm fascinated by that. And I feel like I've also, um, I've been in business about five years give you a little context. Okay, congrats. And thank you. And um, I love, absolutely love what I do. And I absolutely believe in no box, kind of no rules. Let's set the heading, right? Let's follow the spirit of what we're trying to do. I'm not going to make you sign 12, you know, lists, you know, a list of 12 things that we stand for as a company sure. and, and all the rules. And I am less that, and that comes from my parents. And, okay. and I'm less about that and less about the structure and more about like, hey, we're on a team. Let's push together in a certain direction. But I also have a vested in- interest in the company. And I also realize that oftentimes when you are early on in a startup, you are just kind of, you need to get something get done. done. Yeah. yeah. And, so, um, and so sometimes you bring people on and maybe they're good at what they do or maybe they're kind of passionate in general, but sometimes it seems like people almost need a box. And I struggle with that because I want to just say, hey, look, 
Don't even worry about coming to the office. Don't worry about doing, uh, having rules. I'm not going to, we're not going to look at a sales quota. None of that. We don't, we need to focus on you being the best person you can be, our overall business goals, and how you can help fulfill the role that you've told me, you've communicated in the interview that you're excited about and how we get there together. But then I feel, but then, you know, 30, 60, 90 days in, six months in, I start to feel like, man, what are, what are we doing? Like, I'm not getting the return here. And I don't want to get calloused because I've just owned the business and I'm looking at the P&L. <laughs> so, and I know you probably have maybe dealt with. Yes. See, so what advice would you give to people? Because a lot of people in my audience, you know, have small businesses or they have little side hustles or whatever. They're bringing sure. people on. What advice would you give to me, you know, and by proxy to them? Yeah. In that scenario, I would say hiring is one of the most important things you can do. So, in the hiring process, like when you've decided that this is the person, I would have a fluid conversation with them and I would continue to have those fluid conversations with them. So, meaning you're like, you're the one I want. Like, do you want us? That kind of conversation. And then just say, how is this going to work in terms of, you know, if do you need to be in the office? Like, have that conversation right from the beginning. And I think that's something that no one does Mm -hmm. these days. But it would be so interesting to just be like, what is your optimal? And I'll tell you my optimal, and then we'll come into a compromise, you know? And having that be a conversation, a consistent conversation, after three months, after 90 days, after six months, that could be one way to thwart and avoid that. Um, And then there's just production, right? So, and there's production conversations, right? Like, I've noticed your performance now or your production is not as, you know, what's going on? Because it's probably something going on with them, their lives, whatever. So, which I imagine if you have 5,000 employees, it's, you can't do that. But if you have up to 100, you could definitely take a t- take the time and talk to them. Well, if 5,000 employees, maybe you can put, maybe Someone you can hire folks <laughs> such as yourself to come in and help kind of affect yeah. that sort of change and that sort of environment. And I think that's where, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, I think that's where, businesses need to go, especially startups. They need to have that conversation, that fluid conversation about this is what we optimally want for this role, you know, but I want to hear what you optimally want, you know, because what if she says, no, I want, because some people, I feel like some people don't know their own productivity. Like I know my productivity times, you know, I know from nine to 11 and then four to six, I know those are my most productive times during the day. Right. And I know that I like to be from home because I can get anything done from there. Right. But what if someone knows that they need to be in an office? You know, then that's what they need to do. Do you think people know that about themselves? I think a, I would say probably half. The number I'm getting is 50% in my head. So I'm just going to say that. But I think about 50% understand themselves well enough. Or maybe it's a conversation you have with them at the end of your interview. Like, you know, or or in the beginning, like, hey, I want you to think about it. Here's our optimal. I want you to like think about it and get back to me with your optimal. Like your, and I want you to know, or, you know, day one, like what are your productive times? Mm-hmm. Do you know your productive times? Cool. Or if not, let's let's think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when are when are you actually most productive? Third interview. Let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I okay, think, cool. Because I think I think it's all about communication, constant and consistent communication. And you be surprised. I mean, like when I go into smaller companies, I become not just like the HR person and the coach, but also like the therapist. Mm-hmm. So you'd be so surprised, like what I learn in just a conversation. And it's not just because of who I am. I mean, obviously people open up to me, but I think CEOs can have that um, still being their CEO self, but also they can come down and be human. Mm -hmm. Talk talk to me about that. What do you mean by that? I mean that executives or CEOs or leaders or owners of a company, I think 
you always know, no matter what company you're in, you always know who the CEO is or who the owners are, right? And I think there's a there's a stigma, or a, I don't want to say dogma, but a stigma around that. So you may be a little unapproachable, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in a small company, make yourself approachable. Um, how do you how do you do that, and <laughs> with, with and maintain a level of respect? And I'm asking that because I have personally got so much advice saying you need to do things differently. You shouldn't be as accessible. You need a little bit more of a, a glass wall around mm. yourself and have a little bit more limits so that the people that are working for you are a little bit more, I don't want to say afraid of you, but more, you have more like respect. In fact, even my wife will say like with the, <laughs> like with the kids, you okay. know, okay. Like, I, I try to, <laughs> we have three kids going okay. on four. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Two boys, older, two girls, well, about to be a, a second girl, awesome. younger. and um. You know, I try to, you have to be authoritative at a certain stage in their life and then slowly kind of release the reins, right? But, um, you know, she's like, you just, you need to be more, you know, not, not I don't want to say domineering. Some of the, some of the words for it are so, are so negative, but, you know, you need to have more of this like authoritative, almost scary presence where you're kind of feared and respected. And that's kind of the role of a CEO or a leader. And I think that might be common kind of thought. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, listen, I think you need to set the ground rules, mm-hmm. right. And there needs to be boundaries and, and, and talking about like, I mean, I, th- I think there does need to be, you know, handbooks available and all the like, California laws, you know, you should do all that stuff and all that's when all that stuff is said and done, then it's, I think, I think every CEO could be a little bit more human and r- relate more to their employees. I think it's, I think it's uncommon what you do, you know, but I, I think she's obviously saying that because of, I don't know, people have either walked over you or, you know, which like can feel as mm-hmm. the case. So I understand why, where she's coming from, but I still don't think that might be the right approach for you. Or, or think that or you're getting think. walked over. Sure. Because sometimes you don't need to win all the battles, no. you know, no. um, <laughs> just my, my opinion. Because at the end of the day, you still are the boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the actual, you know, fact of the matter. Yeah. Um, how do you think about firing? Because yeah. we're talking about authority. We're talking about respect, productivity, having those conversations, the hiring. What happens when you have to make that tough decision because of either lack of performance, maybe a lack of culture? Yeah. That the person, they came in, they're so competent, but they're not able to help instill the type of culture that you want. You know, I always say hire slow, fire fast. Okay. Um, I also say, I don't believe in 15, I've had literally had 15 interviews before, before I got to the CEO of a company. Granted, I was the beginning of the head of HR, so that makes sense. But it seemed like everyone in the company had at least six or seven interviews. I don't really think you need a ton of people to interview. Um, but I think a lot of this can be worked out in the hiring process. I think a general, a conversation with them, you know, about their, I know you can't talk about, their lives per se, but you can talk about, tell me what you enjoy to do because whatever they say, then you can go off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's all about, for me, it's all about hiring and then watching their first this 30, 60, 90 days. And no one does that. Even I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like once they're hired, I'm like, okay, 
Uh, I'll do a 15-day chicken, and then I have like 400,000 other things to do, you know? Because if yeah. you think about it from an HR perspective, if there's 500 employees, each of those 500 employees could have 500 problems. Mm-hmm. So it's 25,000 problems or whatever, you know, that I have to deal with on a daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say for people like you to hire, to really take the time to hire, um, but you asked about firing. Um, definitely fire fast, you know, take them out of the office, coffee or whatever, you know, it's always, is that what, kind of what you're asking? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, and and we've had an interesting approach of both hiring fast and firing fast because um, if you're familiar with Gary Vee at all, you know, he says hiring is guessing and firing is knowing, <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And, and it makes sense. But, you know, sometimes you don't, you're sitting across the table from someone in an interview and you're supposed to be on your best behavior. It's like those first couple dates. You know, absolutely. And your teeth are brushed, and your hair's done, and your hey, you know, right. you got you got your makeup on, and you're you're putting this positive energy forward that you gleaned from all sorts of YouTube reviews or and YouTube videos on how to be a good interviewee, right? For sure. But and anyone who does it, you know right away. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then that happens, and then 30, 60, 90 days, you're like, whoa, you know. So that's for us. It's it, it's I it seems like you don't get a lot of genuine interactions with people in an interview. Mm. So with that, how do you have some, and that's why I was asking the question about firing. Let's go back to hiring. Do you have some things that you look for as you're helping? Like, do you help with hiring? Yeah. And are there some things? Okay. I mean, I've interviewed thousands of people in my time. Um, I honestly, if everyone could have like, the final interview be like over coffee or tea, taking them out of a corporate setting mm-hmm. and just meeting with them. I think that would really help. I mean, this is just what I found because when they're outside of a context of a corporate America or an office, everyone is different mm-hmm. a little bit at least. Um, so that's something to consider for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is their body language, you know, um, and then their ability to not just answer question, but be curious about not just the company, but the role. I mean, curiosity is, I think, one of the telltale signs of really intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And very um, something I think super underrated. So underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was super curious about you and I think that's what makes everything, you know, and vice versa. I think that makes this this interview, if you will, like even that much better because we're so curious. Totally. So, um, I also think people who answer questions, this might sound weird, but like faster than the normal person, you know you have someone more intelligent too, or that they've thought about this a lot. Like I just interviewed someone last week and I was like, she had an answer for everything I asked her. She's literally like, I think she's going to be a rock star someday. She's pretty green right now, but she has the potential to be a rock star. And I think... Um, hiring rock stars or future rock stars is really something to consider as well. Like you don't want to just hire, you don't want to just hire someone that's good. You want someone that's going to move up the ranks, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like gone are the days where someone is mediocre in their role for 20, 25 years, you yeah. know? Like I think that's just gone. So true. Because mediocrity is not going to make. Yeah, it goes one, success. Of two ways kind of. And you go and you can find that out fairly quick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Were those helpful? Totally helpful. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, super helpful. Super helpful. Yeah, and I think that's it's, for all different industries, right? It's yeah. not just for what you do versus if you're in, you know, American Express on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's all people. And that's something. I actually, the core of what we do and what I'm most passionate about is helping people have better experiences. Really. Yeah. And it's because, and I don't, and actually I don't talk about it. And that's kind of the purity of what we do. And I don't talk about it that much because sometimes I start losing people and the the organization is not, um, I haven't created an organization that has enough interpreters that help translate what that heart is to practicality. And so you sit across the table from someone and say, Oh, we're here about it, providing experiences. And it's like, you know, um, when you are sitting with someone, whether that's here right now, whether that's in an interview, whether you're working with someone on the business coaching side, is it, do you, as you start kind of getting a feel for someone, do you end up, I guess, how do you start thinking about them? Because you are a medium. You do start to kind of feel or see or kind of have it, you know, have this kind of other uh, feeling more than they're just giving you. Right, right. Yeah. Just from yeah. whatever the words they're saying or the body language, you're starting to kind of feel like, oh, this is I'm I'm getting this, I'm getting that. Um, at what point do you start? Is that something that happens right away? Does it take ten minutes? Is there kind of a warm up period? Are there kind of some cues? And do you feel kind of someone's like presence really strongly or not so much? Yeah. Um, so from a mediumship perspective, I can definitely tell those that come in and are super not open to what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. They're nervous, and um, and so I make them laugh a couple times, and then I tell them a couple things about themselves, about the essence of the, who they are in a very constructive way. Like, I feel like you're the type of person that does X, Y, and Z, and then, like, this veil of, like, avoidance and, like, negativity will lift, right? I found that for a couple people, and a couple— um, celebrities as well kind of have that feeling sometimes when they come into the room, you know, like a very strong presence, but I don't really believe that in what you do or I'm skeptical. Well, and um, I'm sorry yeah. for interrupting. No, no. How, how many people do you mostly get people who are a little bit skeptical and they're, they're skeptical until they, cause you're telling them about themselves and people like talking about <laughs> themselves typically sometimes. Yeah. Well, I warn them, but um, yeah, I would say about, I would say about, 40, maybe 30, 40% come in and they're like, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. But then, and, and those are the ones that I enjoy even more at the beginning. Um, I, I think it takes anyone anywhere in any interview five to 10 minutes to warm up. So I do a lot of phone screens because I feel like I can literally feel the essence. And I think that's probably professional intuition, not necessarily my intuition. Because I know, I will know, because the first five minutes, everyone's awkward and weird and all that stuff. So you can't, ju- I, I feel like you can't judge those first five minutes. But when you get to the stride, so five, 10, 15 minutes, in 15 minutes, you should know. Mm-hmm. Like I think as an HR professional and having done thousands of interviews. So by 15 minutes, you should be like, okay, thank you very much. Like I'll call you for another lot. And people are like, oh, that's it. I'm like, yeah, I listen, I know that. In 15 minutes, I know that they're awesome, right? Those that aren't, I, I always put like a clock and I'm like, okay, I'll give them at least 20 or 25 minutes just to make them feel like maybe they're learning something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or, totally. or helping them with an interview process, right? Totally. Um, anyway, so I think that, I don't know, I can ask you, like, do you think that within five, 10 minutes, you kind of have an idea of like, yeah, I'm leaning toward yes? That's a great question. I, I can get a vibe okay. right away. Yeah. But I don't necessarily trust it. 
No, and I don't think you should off of first impressions. You know, because it's yeah. hard. It's very hard to tell, and it's also depending on what you're looking for. If you're looking for an operations person versus someone who's going to be a little bit more right front, right front and center. So you'll kind of like right away you'll know the person if they're front. Then you can kind of start continuing to look into them if they're like, "Hi, here I am. Like, hey, what's going on?" Like you're right. going to feel that energy, and that's right. the energy that you need for the role. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is tough. I think. I like what you said about interviewing outside the office. It's what I love about where we currently have our office mm-hmm. right now and where the space is because uh, Union Cowork, we love you guys. Quick plug. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Jamie, shout out to what you're doing. Um, they really are cool space. Yeah. Fantastic yeah, space no, up in great. LA, actually, in the Arts District. They just uh, really? did something. It's super neat. I'm going to check it out. I'll have to show you on Instagram. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but it's what I like about this space because it doesn't feel officey. Yeah. You know, and so as relaxed as it can be, you kind of see people open up and then you also get cues from how they treat other people. Absolutely. Waiters, baristas. Absolutely. Yeah. I had one CEO that was like, I want to talk to the receptionist after everyone leaves. Mm-hmm. Because, and and some people, you'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. so easy to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And and why not? And right away you tell people who are, who are, uh, you know, have a little bit of an ego or an attitude, like I'm here for my interview with the CEO. Right. And you're like, right. Maybe not so much. We're not, we're not. <laughs> Today I was like, um, <laughs> how do I find, I'm yeah. here for a podcast. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah. you were so gracious yeah. by the way. So, um, okay. We have a couple more minutes here okay. and it's, it literally hasn't, I look, I, you know, I'm looking over here and it's 50 minutes and it's felt, felt like 15. Seriously. Um, what advice would you give someone who either is just starting their business or maybe they want to start their business, but they don't know the direction they're going to go yet. Maybe they know they're going to need to hire some people. Are there some first steps or kind of some preparatory things that you'd suggest, whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, obviously your book, right? (laughs) Um, But are there things that you would kind of say to get someone started along the path of understanding people because it, it feels like to me that's what you're trying to get the CEOs to do or the business leaders to do is try to understand the people that are working with them better and then understand themselves and how they play a role. Where would you direct someone to start? I would honestly go for, I mean, podcasts are great. I would go for mentors. I think mentors are above and beyond like the best way to learn anything. Um, I actually have a, a person right now, Mimi B, that, that I, I did a podcast with her and she's amazing. And she's like, I'm going to help you get more followers and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do this. And so I, I consider her a mentor, but I'm also going to be her resident spiritual advisor on her show, like in the future, you know? So I think mentors are benef- mutually beneficial relationships. Um, so choose a CEO. Choose a CEO. I mean, I go with Pete. I usually go with acquaintances or friends of friends and use that type of mentor, Right. Um, would you pay for mentorships? I'm so sorry for interrupting. No, I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't pay. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay unless you're working with Jeff Bezos, I guess. But right. But I think that I think it's a duty that we all have to help other people along the way. Um, so I would say know that it's going to be the ride of your life, the adventure of your life, starting a company. Definitely check out the HR laws in your state, whatever that is. I mean, that's so important, Um, you know, and start small and don't, um, I would also say, don't rush to hire people, you know, oh my God, I need to get 10 people. Take the time, you know, Um, it's important. Um, 
I also think that sometimes temp, sometimes temp agencies can be well worth their weight in gold mm-hmm. when you're starting out. Um, I think having the mindset of I'm going to treat my employees the best I possibly can is really important. Um, and you're going to learn so much from, I mean, I learned so much from everyone, you know, even people I'm doing a reading for, like I just learned so much every day, which is one of the most amazing things about what I do. Um, so, and I would say be humble because you don't know all the answers and be curious like we spoke about because there's so much to learn, you know, like I have my own business, but it's just me. <laughs> so even I would be a little nervous and, cons- you know, just scared. I mean, I know the HR stuff. I was going to say, but- it's kind of fun that you're saying that because literally you helped so many companies with their HR. Right. That yeah. I got, that I got, I got all that stuff. But like, but the actual, like, you know, the P&L stuff, like I know I've done that, you know, just, um, I think, well, I read somewhere once, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, and it might be me, Gary V, that said that, right? Um, and I think that's very, very intelligent and and necessary for everyone to know. I was know? I was asking you about the paying for the mentorship because yeah. I think there's so many different, and I'm not knocking your industry at all, yeah. but there's so many um, life coaches, uh, you know, mentors out there. Hey, you know, pay me a thousand dollars a month. Pay me, you know, twelve thousand dollars a month. Come to my seminar. Come to my thing. And it's tricky because I feel like a lot of times there is a lot of value. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But it's hard to quantify the value. And so I, I kind of can even understand the struggle of like, how much should we try on on the, you know, their business side of things. For sure. But when you are looking for a mentor or when you are looking for someone, so you are, you would say like, if someone's going to come along and say, Hey, I'll mentor you or Hey, I'll, you know, provide you life coaching and it's going to be, you know, 1499 or yeah, some, 1400. Some, I think there's a difference between a mentor and a coach, right? Okay. So coach is someone you're going to pay. Like you're not going to get around that. Online workshops are amazing. They're great. Or even in person workshops, I think they're great. Like you said, you can get like a lot of value, but I feel like you need to find people that you resonate with and that are aligned with what you are aligned with. Um, I also feel like, so, so a mentor, I don't think you should have to pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted there are people that I'm sure that have mentor services out there. That's fine. But, um, I feel like a mentor is, you know, a CEO that might have one or two mentors. I just feel like we all have an opportunity and, a and a, how do I say this? Like a, a, a divine right to kind of help people, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm helping a couple people that are mediums coming out or gay mediums coming out in their countries, whatever, that are not very happy about them being gay or mediums. Like, I just think it's our duty to do, to help out other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted though, that said, there is a place for coaching and there's a place for seminars for sure. You know, totally, totally cool. Well, I want to wrap up here um, where if people are interested in what you do, uh, you, (laughs) um, you know, any, anything, whether it's, um, medium, the medium side of things, the HR side of things, where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Sure. Um, so, uh, I am Seth Elliott.com and then all my Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest are all, I am Seth Elliott, you know, um, also 
You can SethSantoro.com. You can find me there. It's more of the business side, right? I still haven't quite felt I like <laughs> found the website to like meld them. Yet. I like that. I like um, that. And um, and then is that you with the tie on? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Um, my book, How I Learned to Smile from the Inside, is on Amazon okay. and bn.com, so they can find that anywhere. Um, but yeah, I am Seth Elliott, I am Seth Elliott.com, 1L1T, and SethSantor.com. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Seth, thank you so much. I feel like we could cover so much more. I know. I'm so bummed. And I know. <laughs> so we may have to come back and do this again at some point. You know? Awesome. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe up in LA or, or whatever. But sure. thank you. Yeah. Thank for you. Being here and sharing everything you've shared. I've learned a ton. And um, guys, I really encourage you to check Seth out, uh, check out his book. And, you know, if anything has resonated with you or, you know, you kind of are feeling like you're interested and this has kind of piqued your, your interest and it feels like something that you want to pursue, you know, reach out to him and, um, and, and check out what he's doing because it's pretty cool. Thank you. So, so awesome. All right, Seth. Well, thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, definitely drop me a note, drop Seth a note on our Instagrams, um, comment on the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. It really makes a big difference to me. And if you're interested in hearing me speak with different authors or, or different people, uh, definitely let me know because I'd love that input. And in the meantime, have a great day. And we'll see you in the next episode. What's up, podcast people? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I would absolutely love to hear your perspective and opinions on the topics we covered today. So uh, if you're interested in giving me a shout, go ahead, head on over to Instagram at John O'Amen is my handle. That's J-O-N-O-A-Y-M-I-N. And you can send me a direct message or interact with me on my stories. I'm pretty active on that profile. So uh, you can definitely reach me there. I also have a website. So if you head on over to www.jonathanamin.com, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-A-Y-M-I-N.com. Um, you can go and read more about me and see some of the other content that I'm putting out as well as uh, some of the companies I run and just basically see what I'm up to. So anyway, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, I hope you have a kick-ass day.